when someone wrote to shirobindo past the age of 60 that i have settled all my worldly responsibilities and family issues i want to come and settle down in the ashram to lead a peaceful life in the ashram they used to apply and and shirobindo would accept or not accept so shirobindo wrote back that it is time to die now for the graveyard rather than to the ashram this is the first question that we need to answer perhaps as we enter the threshold of life itself very often we leave this question for like a post retirement plan that we'll think about death when we are close to it but by then it's too late even if we think we can do very little about it as such the answer that we give to the enigma of life depends on the answer we give to the problem of death they are closely interconnected <clears throat> for if there is really nothing beyond the black wall that we see all around us then frankly there is no point in anything at all this used to be at least uh, my question as a young while doing medical graduation 18 19 i had an option career choices and pune armed forces medical college pune and pune as you know is often called as a poor man's bombay the grass and weed is very cheap there a lot of youngsters used to go there and spend time at the joints so i used to wonder why are they going there and then it struck me that well all the time we are being taught that we are just this body bundle of chemicals and all i am learning in my classes is that i am nothing but chemistry and physics with a little bit of biology in it and all my psychology is determined by my biology and my chemistry and truly if this is all then i think these fellows are right after all and i am also taught that the aim of life is to be happy so if that is the aim then why not find a shortcut but there is an intuition in life a kind of faith as it were which saves us it is always there behind even when all appearances contradict still it stays and that's why thankfully despite all the time we see that people die despite we being unable to see beyond the of night still we believe in light in day in beauty in goodness in truth in love and i think this is the marvel of marvels where people say what is the miracle this is a great miracle it's beautifully pointed out in a small little story from the mahabharata where the eldest pandava brother not technically the eldest we have stories about karna <laughs> but almost the eldest yudhishthir born of dharma he is asked by yaksha yaksha is literally this story is very much like sphinx but in another way yaksha is a entity of the mid world it belongs neither to this nor that 
it's neither good nor evil they can assume any form and shape so the godhead of death or dharma assumes the form of yaksha and asks him what is the most amazing thing in this world so he says every day men we all see that people die yet we believe that we are immortal on the one hand this story is interpreted in a very pessimistic way see everybody is going to die it's foolish to believe we are immortal but truly if this is the interpretation then yes the weed and the grass are the natural records but the story like many indian stories can have a very different absolutely opposite interpretation <coughs> and it is that that despite the so called striking evidence of death all around still we believe in our immortality because there is something in us which is carries itself like it is immortal something within us which knows and it contradicts the immediate experience of the senses and this is the big challenge if we all believe that there is nothing then it would have been a life which is quite comfortable the animals animals are called in by very interesting sanskrit word asannamrityu they live as if under the domain of death they don't care they don't seek to know if there is anything beyond so that's a one kind of happy life but man has been given to dream and that's where the problem comes he dreams of perfection thousand times we may fail to realize it and a thousand one times we still strive this is the beauty of man this is the greatness of man this is the might and glory and manhood of man or the womanhood of man if you want to put it and that's where our strength lies that we refuse to accept and acknowledge the reign of death and we continue to strive where does this come from what really is death death is not a philosophical issue at all it's the most practical issue of life as i said if there is nothing really beyond this brief existence here then nothing makes sense neither goodness nor dreams nor even passing something to the progeny even our own happiness has no sense but if there is something beyond and we do not realize it then we lead half the existence here or maybe less than half because the better half or the greater half is out there how to know it we live in a hardcore evidence based world but there is a problem when we come to death how do we gather evidence as to what lies beyond death nobody returns from the land of death to tell us what there is or if they return it's hard to believe because we are hardwired by modern science to believe that only what we see touch feel with these senses is real i've had such striking experiences of people one of them a patient of mine she had lost her husband at a young age and she came and i often ask this question did you see any dream subsequently she said yes i saw a dream where the man actually described how he died he was a police inspector he was checking one of the trucks and suddenly he was overrun by another truck and he says you know i was doing it next moment i just uh, i just knew that my body is lying there and i am here 
and then they were taking me to the hospital and I wanted to enter, I wanted to call but I couldn't. Now we can take it as an evidence or we can simply say that this was a wishful thinking. Human beings like to believe that there is something beyond. This is how modern science tries to interpret it. But evidence are there and they, they are multiplying. That's one of the things that is happening. And they are multiplying because we are becoming aware that there is a reality which escapes from the box of our sense-constructed world. That's how the Upanishad puts it. That what we see as this world is images conjured by the senses, but there is a greater side which we do not see, do not hear, do not touch, do not smell, do not taste, and yet it exists. And yet, in some indrawn moment, we can experience it. There are touches that come from infinity. Shivindu uses the word touches of the infinite. It comes usually in the form of thoughts and feelings because it's still subtle enough to receive it. But sometimes very concretely, at the realm of the very sensory level, as he says, there are moments of brief escape. A screen is lifted and there is a brief miraculous escape. And during that brief miraculous escape, we may see, hear, touch, feel the touch of. Maybe even taste and smell something which we ordinarily and normally do not experience. So there is a science beyond science. There is a science confined to the five or the six senses if you use the mind. And there is another science where we include the realm of subtle senses and the subtle movements of the mind because mind itself has two kinds of movements. One is very gross. The gross mind is completely dependent heavily on the physical senses. But there is a subtle mind, a subtle essence which can sense and experience and know as real and concrete what the gross refuses to acknowledge or even experience. So very often when people say, you, this is very simple to actually uh, understand this. People go and uh, go to the ashram or they come here or several places and we ask them, but how did you feel? We liked it. What did you feel? I felt peaceful. If I am a hardcore material scientist, I will say, tell me exactly what mechanism or senses within you felt peaceful. Just now, Vivekji uh, was telling, me, uh, telling us that you know we should feel the mother's force. How do you feel the mother's force? What is that sense which can feel the mother's force? So there is a whole process through which we can disengage these senses from their excessive preoccupation with the outward and the immediate which is our field. We are caught as, it, as if in a small strip of time and a small corner of space. And we believe that's it. It's like you know if somebody lives in a house and believes that's it, my house is my world. Some people say that. My house is my world. Some say my family is my world. What is small world? But there is another way to experience life. And often this simile comes to my mind that we all experience life, existence in two ways even as 
what we are now. One is in the womb. And one is when we are out of the womb. It's not that when we are in the womb, we are not experiencing life. We are experiencing it. Baby's res- baby responds. How does he respond? He knows something is happening. It has its own likes, dislikes, but cannot define, cannot express. Much like us, that we cannot quite describe, exp- express what lies beyond, but we feel it. So this is the first state. While in the womb, the baby is not aware of another existence which is beyond it, waiting. He doesn't know that there is a mother waiting eagerly and you know the world is being prepared and everybody is celebrating. And then the baby steps out. And the paradox is he forgets all about the womb. Doesn't remember what happened, what, what was taking shape and there is another welcome. Imagine if for a moment if death is like that, we live in a small strip of ignorance and we are afraid of the beyond. And if we were to know that in the beyond, there is only the welcoming arms of the radiant, indivisible mother of delight and wisdom, then our whole perception would change. But we don't experience. What is the way that we can experience it? I think the only way it can be experienced is by being newborn to a new life. And I, and I think that's how we should approach the problem of death. Not philosophically, because what we don't know, we fill it with images, imaginations, conceptions. For instance, there is an image that as a child I had grown up with that Death is sitting on a buffalo with a nose in his hands. Very grotesque image. (laughs) Very scary. But when I grew up, I read the Katnishad. And I said, this fellow looks very different from what I have grown up with. (laughs) He's a nice fellow. Nachiketa is waiting. You know, this is a beautiful story that at a young age we should aspire to know. Even in the womb we should aspire to know. What really death is and what is the secret of immortality? There's the story of Astavakra that while he's in the womb, he discovers that jnana. It's possible to know. And young Nachiketa, 9-year-old or 10-year-old, aspires to know the secret of death and immortality. What kind of consciousness such a child would be having? And when he goes to death, death is, you know, he has to wait for 3 days, 3 nights. And this fellow is a very nice fellow. He comes back and says, Oh, I am so sorry you are waiting as an aspirant for three days, three nights at at my doors. And, uh, you know, I need to give you three bones. He doesn't give that buffalo image. I don't know where this buffalo image came in. (laughs) Maybe a symbolic image of, you know, buffalo is all sign of inertia. That's why in Hindi there is a saying also that you may play the flute, but the buffalo will sit where it is. Gross inertia. So inertia, death sits on what? On inertia. And what is the nose in its hand? The nose of ignorance. Limits us to a brief experience. It's amazing even when we are walking by and we are all shut in a small little door, a small little box. And this box is full of our own conceptions, ideas, thoughts, feelings, desires, wishes, expectations, fears. All this 
and we don't know that this is what this not life this not really existence there is something much vaster but we are not able to escape from this ignorance and that's why death invokes so much fear because we do not know nobody seems to come and tell us with definitive authority even mystics that comes closest they have a brief glimpse of going into the beyond so in indian thought there are two spheres of existence just as the baby in the womb and the baby outside there is one sphere of existence which is called parardh the lower hemisphere where life is experienced in a certain mode and there is another form of existence aparardh a parardh which is an existence of the beyond life is experienced in a totally different mode on a different basis for instance in the lower hemisphere we see everything as separate divided etc etc in the higher hemisphere we see everything as based on oneness it's a very different kind of experience but normally this experience is not accessible while we are bound in the body and the material senses it's this body is like a womb which contains the that which can actually is capable of experiencing a greater life but is in shut in the womb just as within the womb of a mother there is the future hero and a sage and a seer but within the womb it can only do matsyasan the other kind of matsyasan where a fish is only moving inside it cannot do anything beyond it so within this material existence and the cage of the senses we are caught up and we are not able to escape from that or glimpse that other kind of existence which lies beyond and between these two there is the realm of death it is like a giant ignorance and where there is ignorance we fill it with all kinds of conceptions what really is it more important question is is there a way to escape from it that's why death is closely connected to our belief intuition or knowledge of who we are is very beautiful poem of shirbindo a vision of science well every poem is beautiful but in this particular poem he takes up that you know religion traps us in belief systems and fine it's it's you know each religion has its own belief systems and it's based on some partial claims and we believe it disbelieve it believers strongly believe it but that doesn't solve a problem it only gives a respite it's like while we are in the jail we are happy to know that you know the jailer is considerate to us and gives us nice food to eat if we pray to him but that doesn't solve a problem we are still in the jail maybe the conditions become a little better more tolerable more bearable if i know that the jailer is my maternal uncle maybe but he will come and say i i i i feel sorry for you but i can't set you free because there is a another fellow sitting over my head it only makes things a little more bearable so this these are one kind of belief system the other kind of belief systems are of science that is also a belief system the belief systems of science are that matter is the sole reality and the only way we can experience this reality is by the senses this is a belief system nothing else there are other ways of experiencing life i mean dream we every day in dream experience a very different mode of existence and that is very real i was in fact going to ask this question to the children yesterday and maybe i can throw the question now and answer me later on because um, people see dreams and i wanted to ask this which is real 
the dream or this waking experience? What would be the answer? In the dream, the dream is real. And in the waking, the waking is real. It's strange. And yet it's a fact that we live in two parallel worlds without really realizing. One of the things that yoga does is that we begin to become aware of the dream world. It happens spontaneously, automatically. We begin to become aware of many things that are happening behind the curtain. We begin to become aware of events that are happening, going to happen. We begin to become aware of a consciousness which may be animating inanimate objects. Like yesterday whole night I had rendezvous with uh, Ambika's toys. So nice of this little girl, she allowed me to take her room. The whole night I was seeing toys coming and staging a kind of Ramayana before me. Sections of Ramayana. I don't know why Ramayana. And they were all toys. I was wondering, what are these toys? Where are they coming from? Why are they this? And I am telling them, your toys, you are not able to do this well. And they would be very living. They were not happy about it when I told them. So when I got up in the morning... I asked, what is her connection with the toys? And then I discovered that they have a consciousness, they are very living. Maybe she has given them that uh, love and affection, so they are charged, they have become very uh, animate. And they like it. Maybe every, every time they are doing this, but yesterday they found a new guy in the room and, <laughs> and thought it's a good opportunity to show who we are. And this happens without any slightest wish or thought so it's a spontaneous experience. There are many such things which are happening around us, which we don't know. And as we grow in self-awareness, then we begin to discover there is a larger existence. And that larger existence is none else but an extension of who we are. So they're coming to this poem, Vision of Science, where on one side religion is passing away and science is in the ascendance. And as religion is fading, this poem was written about... 100, uh, 110 years back, maybe more. And Shirobindo writes it, A Vision of Science. It's one of the futuristic poems of Shirobindo. That as religion is fading and science is standing face to face and there is a third Godhead waiting behind. It's the Godhead of the pure spiritual truth, which, which is the age we are entering beyond religion and science. Probably that's what we should talk about sometime. So... Goddess of religion tells the goddess of science, Thou thinkest term and end for thee are not. But though thy pride is great, thou hast forgot these things that waits for thee beside the way. All questions thou mayest answer, but one day her questions shall await thee. That reply, for they who cannot die. She slays them and their mangled bodies lie upon the highways of eternity. Therefore, if thou wouldst live, answer first this one thing, who art thou in this dungeon laboring? So we are working all the time, we have jobs, we have families, we have everything. But who am I that we don't know? Who is it that is doing the job and who is really having the family? Who is running day and night pillar to post? Based on this answer, the other answers carry their validity. As is the answer to this question, so will the answers begin to change about all other things that we do in life. So, um, 
this is how i feel we should approach the problem of death i also want to read something from savitri and not just go flow with the inspiration alone so the problem of the real problem that we experience what is the real challenge that death imposes death is nothing else but a grand image of ignorance it's all we don't know and what we don't know we filled with all kinds of images fear there were people long time back at least in the indian setting who were fe- who were afraid if children moved out from their village to another village i know may have experienced and long long back if they moved abroad went abroad when they came back it was taken for granted that they have they are as if coming back from the land of the dead so they were given ganges water i don't know some of us may know about it what was called a shuddhikaran so that you know they are once again back back to the otherwise they were written off that they are as good as dead because we didn't know it was a very small uh, life organized around certain thoughts that's not how india conceived um, itself long long back but when that ignorance is torn and slain then we discover no there is, this is just a, a way of thinking and feeling deep inside it's the same truth same thing so the problem of death can be really resolved if we get rid of ignorance that's why there are two approaches to death and one is i don't like to call the right way but one is the true way and the other is a very limited way and in indian thought this is through the form of fables so one is that the asura wants to somehow not die so he invokes praise and ultimately you know brahma ji appears and he asks that i want to be immortal so he says i can't grant you immortality he says okay then let me conquer all the conditions that lead to death this is one of the errors like we believe that conditions of life is same as life so we believe when the breathing stops life stops this is basic um, logical fallacy life may exist even when breath is stopped yogis do experience it paul brunton speaks about it shobinda has mentioned it in savitri he dared to step in where breath stops life may exist even when the heartbeat stops we don't know i'm saying we don't know only from a purely strictly scientific way this is only a process but process is not the real thing so there was a time when this is how we confuse the process as the real thing so one approach was that all the conditions so all kinds of impossible conditions they would ask which is one approach that science has taken to conquer death and find immortality why do we die oh because of this 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 so eventually a day may come thankfully it won't come when all the organs will be replaced because these are all subject to wear and tear and so what do we have when all this is replaced we have a perfect robot that's not conquest of death but even that is subject to wear and tear so this is one approach so we have in indian thought that asuras demanding and they say okay god grants okay fine 
you you will not die of this 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 all kinds of things and death finds its way through the most impossible door ravana says that may i fall only to man or a monkey which is of course an evolutionary fable that the asura has to fall only to the animal kind or the human kind the asura in us has to die this is another conception of death where we die to the lesser and are awake to the greater hiranyakashyapa again asks that may i not die of morning night all the conditions in time and space and causality he conquers but causality time and space are merely conventions there is an original cause as long as there is ignorance death will be there so that cause assumes the form of a weird creature like almost like a sphinx he had never known that even swine flu exists and it comes through a back door and sweeps so it will continue to find its door so this is one approach it doesn't work but there is another approach where we try to get free from ignorance and this is the original disease which leads to death because we are afraid of disease because it leads to death so original disease is ignorance and ignorance is because the ego the material consciousness the senses limit us to a very brief strip of experience of life it's not even question of looking at it as right or wrong or sin and evil we don't have to bring these conceptions at all it is simply that we are in a cage and as long as we are in a cage we experience life in a very limited way but something in us dreams beyond so on page 18 of savitri so this is the other approach in savitri the approach to conquest of death is very different it is not by making sure that the condition see the savitri doesn't ask that may my husband never age may he not have heart disease this disease that disease she adopts a totally different approach and shubindu reveals that that as long as there is ignorance there will be death so she adopts a very different ap- approach to conquest of death and that is freeing satyavan of the fundamental ignorance in which he is trapped and if he can free so there of course ideal one approach is that satyavan by tapasya frees himself this is one way but not all can do it we have examples of seers and sages who tried it some succeeded some couldn't but there is another approach that somebody does it for us and we are open to receive that gift and slowly that is transferred on to us that kind of knowledge that kind of truth is transferred on to us so savitri takes the other approach that satyavan all he has to do is to open himself to savitri and savitri the divine mother incarnate she wins immortality for him and gives it to him so what is the problem the human figure drawn by time first shobindo speaks of that he speaks of the difference between savitri and whatever ordinary life is it's very good to look at it time to time otherwise we get very easily trapped into a bubble house of vanity that we are someone special till we get married <laughs> and if we don't change then the child comes to break the bubble right arjun yeah got yeah. <laughs> it yeah remember it huh? 20 years down the line 
it's so true that we live in a bubble house of i am someone something and very good divine has this old method he says don't worry you are someone something till you have someone <laughs> very simple it comes to remind us that who are we nothing and nobody unless we have love the rest is irrelevant to the partner who is with us nothing else matters you may be very big very ceo or anything but if you don't have love it doesn't matter <laughs> love is the real thing which holds creation together so here comes who is savitri and what our ordinary life is here was no fabric of terrestrial make savitri savitri is no fabric of terrestrial make what is this terrestrial make fit for a day's use by busy careless powers an image fluttering on the screen of fate half animated for a passing show this what we are an image on the tv screen which is being animated like the toy of the dream and there are forces which have animated it making it move and the beings probably watching and saying ah what a good tv serial and they say this is very boring this life is very boring let's go to put a little spice into it so then you know they begin to fight he says yes he says it's getting too dramatic let's go elsewhere and we don't even realize that we are instruments of forces of which we are totally our speech our actions our feelings suggestions we often say i believe it i think it's not me we are made to experience only a narrow range of thoughts and feelings very often this is a problem that people often ask me as a psychiatrist they say you know we all know we have read all the books that we must think positively but how to think positively is the challenge we cannot think anything beyond the zone in which we exist as simple as that if i am caught up in a storm i am caught up in a storm my eyes are going to be muddy i cannot see what is beyond and there will be agitation anger etc so the method is not to try how to think positively but to discover a zone of consciousness where very naturally peaceful calm quiet movements of thoughts come to us that's how the aircraft takes a flight into the beyond it doesn't struggle with the clouds if it does it it is crashed it either remains on ground if the conditions are too bad or there is a zone of turbulence it must go beyond it and when it goes beyond it's a smooth sailing this is exactly how we have to but right now we are caught simply as a animated show or a castaway on the ocean of desire desire tosses the ocean of desire in which we are caught such beautiful stories one i remember of sahanadi who once experienced that she is thrown into an ocean which is full of you know alligators and this beast and that beast she doesn't know what to do what to do what to do and then suddenly she remembers that i should call mother ma ma and she sees right then and there mother and shirbindo and the whole nightmare vanishes 
we don't realize that we live this nightmare cast away on the ocean. It tosses us, and then what is death? Enough of this guy. It's, we have taken the juice out. Let's throw him. Cast away. This is the normal human life. Flung to the eddies in a ruthless port, tossed by chance, circumstances, forces, and we wonder what is fate, what is destiny, why this is happening to me. A creature born to bend beneath the yoke, a chattel and a plaything of time's lord, or one more pawn who comes destined to be pushed. One slow move forward on a measureless board in the chess play of the earth soul we do with doom. So we like pawns. On one side is the earth soul, on the other side is doom. And it keeps taking the pawns. But the earth soul refuses to give up. It is reborn. The urge to go beyond ignorance takes form, takes shape in children. And more and more it is going to take shape in children. It's a sign of our times that, you know, very often wherever I go, I see always, you know, there are some children at least in the group, a younger age group. It's a very good good sign if you know, this this is an evidence of the age of truth. In this enigma of the dusk of God, this slow and strange, uneasy compromise of limiting nature with the limitless soul. This is our problem. On one side, there are dreams. On the other side, this there is the hard fact of reality. Most of us give up. And then death has a laugh. Some refuse to give up. And people often say they are madmen. But this, these madmen open the doors to a greater life. Even when individually they may not be able to, but by the very fact they are pushing, pushing, pushing against the door. At one time a door does open and somebody or the other enters through it and exclaims, ah, there is something, something which we had not experienced. Where all must move between an ordered chance and an uncaring blind necessity. A jail is this immense material world. Shubindu compares this world to a jail. Wherever we may go, we may go to the farthest end of the world. People would often sometimes tell the mother, is there in the agenda? And the disciple will say, I am feeling restless. I want to go here, there. I want to go to the Amazon, not dot com. <laughs> that's also a jungle another jungle <laughs> or to somewhere else the mother would say my child wherever you may go even if you go to the end of the world you will still be the same person haunted by the same humanity this is such a fact but we try that's okay that's one way this is movie I was watching Interstellar and one of the takeaway point of that movie was that these people has, have gone to what place some God knows probably one of the moons of Europa, one of the moons of Jupiter or Saturn and there also they are the same crooked people who are fighting and they want to kill <laughs> because we carry that within us. So this is not the solution. We may go to the end, farthest end so this is a material world, it's a jail. As long as we are trapped by the senses, we are in a trap. 
across each road stands armed a stone-eyed law at every gate the huge dim sentinel space these are the sentinels of death they wait for us this is the noose tied around till a time comes when it pulls the noose and up the show is over a great tribunal of the ignorance an inquisition of the priests of night in judgment sit on the adventurer's soul and the dual tables and the karmic norm restrain the titan in us and the god yet there is something in us which wants to exceed the mere human start but we have ways there mechanisms no 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 this is not possible how can you are trying conquest of death what kind of a subject it is we should talk something more real more practical more simple how to meditate for example or how to make quick money people would write to shirbindo i believe you are a yogi and you can know about the future how about we entering into a pact i am investing in the share market and if you can tell me i'll give a certain amount of money to you shubhendra says i am not interested in that kind of business this is one approach it restrains the titan in us and the god even titan tries to free himself from this clutch there is also a superhuman strength in the titan this one approach that's why we see the titans struggling fighting their way through somehow getting and the god within us pain with its lash joy with its silver bribe guard the wheels circling immobility a bond is put on the high climbing mind a seal on the too large wide open heart death stays the journeying discoverer life this very real question practical question mother would say that this is one of the problems that you know we have a brief life span because death has such a strong hold on human beings and we have to shake ourselves off from that hold even now there is that mentality that oh i am 50 so now i have to make sure that you know i have very little time left after 60 very little time left after 70 and it goes on but that's not the right approach mother like a warrior each moment even at 91 she floated a new city that's called dreaming this how the divine dreams so this is one kind of life but there is another kind of life and that life savitri inspires us to be that is also described on the next page she accepted not to close the luminous page cancel her commerce with eternity or set a signature of weak ascent to the brute balance of the world's exchange weak ascent what to do this life <coughs> after all this is what to do we know it's all very good there is something called a spiritual and god and divine all this is very nice but real life is this that that's not how we should be 
Savitri inspires us. That's the beauty of Savitri. She puts that force, that aspiration in us to go to the beyond. Pursuing after death, accomplishing in life the great world plan, pursuing after death immortal aims. Repune to admit frustration's barren role, forfeit the meaning of her birth in time. So this, very often people have this question, what will happen in my next life? That's not the way of yoga. The way of yoga is, till my last breath, let me strive for the best, for the highest, for the utmost. I may find it, I may not find it. But let me be nothing but a burning fire of quest. In life or in death, the battle goes on. That's how the mother put it. And that is the hallmark of a sadhak. Obey the government of the casual fact or yield her high destiny up to passing chance. This is another aspect which Savitri brings to us. Very often we say that the death, moment of death is decided. Everything is fated. But in Indian thought, it is just the opposite. I don't know from where this has come into the Indian mindset that everything is fated. All the stories are... As if there is non-acceptance of things as they are and a will to change. All the avatars, all these seers who have really gone beyond a point, they don't accept fate. What is fate? It's a truth working out in ignorance. We don't want that. We want truth working out itself in light, not in ignorance. So she refuses. Mother says that. If you want, you can refuse. Her single will oppose the cosmic rule. To stay the wheels of doom, this greatness rose. At the unseen's knock upon her hidden gates, her strength made greater by the lightning's touch. So actually death at one level is a good guy. What is he doing? He is making, challenging us. Come, have a wrestle with me. We very readily say, no, 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 sir, no wrestle with you. We are going to just give you a Passover. But instead we should wrestle with death and then we will grow in strength. That's why this whole drama is created. Adverse fate, pain, suffering, problems. Not because of some bad karma and you know punishment sitting, some God is sitting on judge. But because we are given a challenge of destiny. Destiny gives us a challenge. And we accept it, we grow. When we accept the challenge, then the beauty is even to what appears as failure outwardly. We still grow. Though outwardly it may look like a failure, but we have, we have taken, up, taken it. And there are so many beautiful stories. Christ conquers by his death. Guru Gobind Singh's father conquers by his death. This is the way of the Great ones. So when we meet the challenge of death, what we should have evoke from slumber in her heart's recess. It bore the stroke of that which kills and saves. How beautiful. Only Shivindu can write like this. At one level, 
it slays at another level it saves saves death that is another aspect of death that it saves us also from a life which may become too mechanical dull boring fixed in a groove it gives us another chance another possibility complete organ transplant free of cost another chance live life again after all it's not good to give only one chance so there are many chances even in one life we are given so many chances when we can completely reshape there are i believe there are uh, you know um, time loops of destiny which come to us that we can completely alter the course of a life then if we don't it goes and again it comes back like waves and as the mother says that there are several such chances given but if you have the chance to surrender yourself to the incarnate divine then it kind of cancels the past and projects us into a future beyond our imagination but these chances come time to time these waves of time come and when we don't take it then we have to go through a certain loop experiences etc event circumstances then again a moment will come when suddenly once again god will knock at our door door and say okay now do you come with me so again we may say no no i think you know there is something else i like to finish okay fine so we again go into another loop again after a while and this these moments begin to increase as we grow in consciousness they come more frequently more unexpectedly in unexpected moments it's not that when we are sitting in meditation in the ashram then we get a chance no we may be walking on the road and suddenly a chance may come it may come as a flash it may come as an event it may come as a thought which completely takes hold of us and we are seized as it were with something much beyond than our briefness and littleness across the awful marsh no eye can see she faced the engines of the universe a heart stood in the way of the driving wheels so a lot of uh, us as doctors we are really agents of death it's a sad thing except that death doesn't take money and there is no insurance <laughs> no insurance policy that okay if you die you <laughs> and there is of course death insurance also but you don't enjoy the benefit somebody else takes but actually we are agents of death because we fix the groove if you do this you are going to die now there is a collective suggestion and that suggestion is full of fear i am not saying that have a cholesterol rich diet or if you have it share it with others it alone that is probably more harmful have an ice cream free yourself of guilt and share it with others and definitely it will have a better effect than you know just greedily there is something else but all the time we are filling with fear this will lead to this this will lead to that but actually if we really look real life forget statistics statistics are very weird thing you know you can look at it like this you can look at it like that you can look at it like what happens you can also look at it why what didn't happen why it didn't happen it's another way to look at it there are sumo wrestlers in japan for instance find out how long they live 
or even in Punjab you will sometimes find at least in olden times Sardarji is really well built, heavily built hardly able to move having food like anything and living up to 80 past 80 why? we should raise this question and poor lean and thin fellow doing exercises all the right things and vanishing suddenly it, it happens these are facts so there is something which we don't know and if we admit it we may have wider understanding so Savitri refuses to admit its stark conventions met the flame of a soul and then the mantric lines what is that leverage in us which can liberate us from the clutch of death we cannot be freed from it just by a mental intellectual understanding. We have to discover first the principle of immortality. There is something in us which has the intuition of immortality and knows itself immortal. And that alone has the power. A prayer, a master act, a king idea can link man's strength to a transcendent force. We have such beautiful stories, a prayer. When Markande is about to die, he just falls at the feet of the Lord and says, I am yours and death has to stop. A prayer, a prayer of an earth rising, it's, I have seen it. It can really change the course of circumstance. Somebody on the verge of death may return back if it rises on the crest of emotion from some depth of the heart. A prayer. A master act. Shobindo's life is a master act. What is the master act? He is surrounded by success of all kinds. And suddenly he vanishes from the scene. It's an amazing act. Actually there are many things in Shobindo's life which can be compared to Sri Krishna's. And one of them is this vanishing act. Sri Krishna disappeared while the dance of the gopis was going on. Sri disappeared when all around everybody was literally saying Sri ki jai. Hail Sri because he was at the peak of the freedom struggle and nobody, it's very difficult to renounce that kind of a intoxication. And suddenly one command and he was gone. And this Shurbindo, this renunciation, all his life Shurbindo epitomized this renunciation. Shurbindo's renunciation is amazing. At every step we find it. Dropping it like this. And the mother says his last renunciation. He says, you know, so many times he had experienced the supermind descend into the body and then go back. He says, but one word from above that by his going behind the scene, he can hasten the collective progress and he had decided that's it he simply told the mother you will have to fulfill the yoga of supramental transformation and withdraw no further thought no further I mean that kind of renunciation master act this is a master act Buddha's walking away master act we often blame him for having left his family and going away but did he really leave his family or adopt a larger family Millions he could free by that master act. One act. Walks away at night and one night and that's the end of the story. 
or a king idea. Idea that death doesn't exist. Idea that life can be transformed. These are king ideas. Idea that all is the divine. Then by when we live with this idea, it begins to create in us a force field which death finds difficult to touch because we create a totally new existence around us. Then miracle is made the common rule. One mighty deed can change the course of things. A lonely thought becomes omnipotent. Just one thought. We don't have to philosophize these things. There's so many ways this one thought has been given. For instance, one of the places mother says we can live by the great teaching of the initiates that the self or the I of the individual and the I of the universal self are one. Now this thought itself can liberate us from the clutch of death. Because we will end up entering into a consciousness of such oneness where we will actually experience that what we call as other is also me in another name and form. It's not just a intellectualization. This experience is liberating. How Sri Aurobindo says, my rival's downfall is my own disgrace. I look at my enemy and see Krishna's face. All are deceived. They do what the one power dictates. Yet all think that it is me, me, me alone. And then he says, in us too, Shiva drinks the world's grief. In us too, Krishna strives for joy, for sweetness and joy. So this oneness liberates us. So if we can just live with this one thought, meditate on this one thought, a lonely thought becomes omnipotent. Just we don't have to read many books or do many things, but so difficult to hold because what does death do? Ignorance makes us forget. Another definition of death is a state of forgetfulness. It makes us forget who we are, our true nature. Like a baby in the womb doesn't know. And because of this vismriti, this forgetfulness, we cannot pierce beyond. Then it makes us pin down. You are that, this struggling creature born to bend beneath the yoke. But if we can step back, and say, no, I am not born for this. This is not the end of existence. I may not know it now, but I will realize it tomorrow. In any case, I will strive because it's worth the effort. It's a nice, beautiful, small poem of Shirbindo. There is a thirst and the thirst presupposes water somewhere. It's a series of poems called Meditations of Mandavya. But in this life, I may never find old phantoms sit beside the way. Old wants return. It will happen. Yet, I shall not faint. I shall strive, O Lord. This is the spirit. That we strive. Very often, we give up the effort because we think, Oh, it's too much. Very often, people ask these statistics. Okay, tell me in Shurabindu Ashram how many people have got transformed? This is one of the most absurd questions. Sometimes I feel like answering humorously, well, I am one of them. Don't take it seriously. 
After a pause, we may add on the way. So many, every small effort, when mother was asked, you know, there are books being written on Superman, on the way to supermanhood. What does mother say? Every small effort to exceed ourselves, every effort at self-mastery is that indicate that we are apprentice superman. So simple she has made. Every small effort, not to be a slave, not to be just the life of a slave, it doesn't matter. We may not be able to do big efforts, but at least let us do some effort. In this idea that we will see, you know, it's too difficult. Very often people give up. Shurabindu's yoga very difficult. Actually, it is the easiest of yoga, I must tell you. It's the easiest of yoga that I have ever known. You don't even have to do pranayam. What do you have to do? Open yourself to the grace of the Divine Mother. Can yoga be ever made so easy? And it's it. Satyavan, the whole Savitri is about that. How does Satyavan conquer death? Simply because he opens his heart to Savitri and says, if you will accept my hermitage, and my little offerings of fruit. I don't have, uh, you know, uh, big money to get you nice stuff. And I have the cool running waters and I can offer you that and a mat on the floor. Would you come? By thy own joy, by my delight, O golden princess Savitri, descend upon earth with thy moon gold feet, enrich earth's floor upon whose sleep we lie. And she says, yes, then it is done. Sounds like just a belief, but as we move the way, we realize it. That yes, it can be so simple. But sometimes so simple to even believe it is possible. It is very difficult when we look at the aim. That's how Shivinda puts it in the synthesis of yoga. But very simple when we look at the way. The aim is very difficult. It takes long. And we have to just allow. She will carry us through this. Like a baby cat, mew, 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 she will take us here, there, there, train us, teach us. It's up to her. What kind of destiny she will open, new things will open. It can be disorienting, dizzying, giddiness, doesn't matter. But if we can trust ourselves that yes, she will carry us, then she will carry us. This is how yoga made easy, if at all. But we cling to the phantoms of the past. This is why... People say after dying, there are ghosts. <coughs> so very often people ask me this question that, do ghosts exist? So I ask them, what is ghost? So when people die, you know, something of them continues to remain there. So I ask them, even in life, something of us continues to remain. They ask, how? So my question is like, when we were five-year-old, we are no more five-year-old. But it continues to exist. The fears continue to exist. The expectations continue to exist. Some people all their life, like Karna, tied to his ghost. Karna has a ghost self, always hanging around him. Oh, my mother did this. Oh, my mother did that. So many ways destiny opened beautiful doors for him. Ended up even becoming a king. And yet Karna kept complaining. This is called a ghost. Ghost is literally something of the past. Same thing happens after death. 
something of the past continues to linger and hold us back. That's why in yoga one of the simple things is do not cling. Past will cling and we have to refuse to cling to it. To let go. That's why one of the practices is let go. It's very difficult. But by surrender it becomes easy. How do we let go? Intellectually it's difficult if we have to do it just as a practice. But we can let go by surrendering the moment to the Divine Mother. Then she will clear it. This what Savitri has done. And then what she discovered, with that we can stop and have question answers. All now seems nature's masked machinery. Now it looks, no, there is a rigid determinism in which we are caught. An endless servitude to material rule. And long determinations, rigid chain. Her firm and changeless habits aping law. So this also people sometimes, has anybody really escaped from death? So the answer should be, may not have, but maybe I, I, I would like to still try for it. <laughs> what does it matter? Why should I follow the run, uh, you know, run of the mill course of life? I want to, I aspire for, so I should try. I should be faithful to the demi-urge inside me. If nobody has, fine. Maybe I may not at the end of the day. So what? It's better. Sometimes this is another thing that, you know, People want to know everything, what may happen before they take a course. So the answer is very simple. Better to die while trying to climb Mount Everest than to lead a life on the level road. It's worth the adventure. There's a great delight in it. At least one would feel at the end of the day, well, I tried something worthwhile. The spirit of adventure. Rather than playing it safe, and what safety? At the end of it, death. Hardly a safety. It will find its way. So here is, all now seems like that. Her empire of unconscious, deft device, annul the claim of man's free human will. He too is a machine amid machines. This is how it appears to us. A piston brain pumps out the shapes of thought. A beating heart cuts out emotions, modes. An insentient energy fabricates a soul. Or the figure of the world reveals the signs of a tight chance, repeating her old steps in circles around matters binding posts. When we read the agenda towards the end, how much time Mother says, we are full of these collective suggestions of death, disease, old age, it has caught hold of mankind. That we have to grow old, we have to have disease, we have to die. And she would say, the very cells are filled with these suggestions. But then, but wisdom comes and vision grows within. What is wisdom? The nature's instrument crowns himself, her king. What is the seeming nature's instrument? Self, the soul. Then it crowns himself, her king. He feels his witnessing self and conscious power. His soul steps back 
and sees the light supreme, a Godhead stands behind the brute machine. So I had uh, actually planned that we'll have just a short uh, talk and have more question answers, but as always, I think... uh, just forgot about the time, but still we have a lot of questions and uh, Hemant, we can start with you because you had particularly told me that, you know, there are some questions. If they still are, if you have forgotten them, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking of the instinct of that. Yeah. The moment of death? It is different. How does the moment of death is experienced. Now, yeah, very good. That's the right way. So, um, you know, when mother, for a long time, I let me connect with what mother has said. There are, of course, near-death experience and a whole lot of things which are available on the internet. And also some, in other books, like Tibetan Book of the Dead and, uh, you know, um, Yoga Vasist, for instance. So let me not get into that, but directly to what mother says. She says that for a long time she knew about death and spoke about death and what is beyond from this side. But after 13th April 1962 when she had that experience where she goes into the domain of dead and she says from now I experience myself like a dead person and she keeps saying that is the consciousness of the dead. This is how the dead experience are. She keeps on saying after that. First time in mystic experience we have somebody not just glimpsing beyond death but entering into the domain of death, being like one among the dead. And she speaks about the living and the dead mingle freely. And then she says, people make very artificial distinction between the living and the dead. But in my experience, it is not true at all. But we don't, normally in the waking consciousness, we are not aware of it. Then she says that basically the experience of death is different for different people. So this is what I have also seen. I have seen some very beautiful deaths, particularly in the ashram context. Very beautiful death. Amazing. I mean, probably a book can be written on that. So a lot depends on the state of consciousness. And this is what the scriptures say, that we have during life. You see, when somebody asks Shurabindo that Gita says that, uh, remember, you know, if you die... At the end, remembering me, you will have moksha. So Shubhindu was asked that, is it true? He said, it's not as simple as that. It's not like, you know, all your life, one has led a licentious life and that one moment is suddenly going to catapult into moksha. And that's why he says this couplet has to be seen with another sloka which comes in conjunction and there he says, therefore remember me at all times and fight. So those who have spent their life remembering the divine and aspiring for a greater consciousness, for them the transition is very simple and easy. I have seen such beautiful deaths. Simply because for them that is more real. I mean people have experienced, I know an old man who had uh, uh, at much later age turned towards Mother and Shurabindo and he would come to the center and he would say, Uh, what is this, uh, you people, you know, start worshipping, 
and yes mother was a very practical lady very intelligent but why you call her god and stuff like that then when shobindo's relics came for the first time he started weeping so it was my chance so i said dada what happened he said i don't know i said good <laughs> whatever happened then he started reading savitri and i am telling you all this after 70 years of age within 6 years he had reached such a wonderful point you know that's why they say it is never too late to begin that at the moment of his departure obviously they took him to the hospital and he kept saying don't take me and they put the tubes and all so he said why are he is telling his children why are you doing all this mother is there right in front of me please take all this out they won't listen they thought he is hallucinating they said i am telling you she is right there i don't want all this it stands in the way they didn't take out and he left the body i mean it was so obvious to him that you know what are you doing you guys don't know like that so imagine within 6 years somebody covering such a long journey to reach a point where death is a delight because that greater existence was no more dark for him but the arms of the radiant mother is like a child literally born from the womb i know also people who have had just the opposite experience terribly in distress what is going to happen worried about the will they have made worried what the son will do which son now i have made a will this also i have actually seen they are, they are going to fight over my you know over the will that i have made i said yeah but it's too late for you to spend you should have done it <laughs> now you have left it it's going to bring fights this is how humanity is so that also i have seen that people during their lifetime didn't make good use of their wealth they clung to it and towards the departure they thought let me transfer it to the child and children fought over it and the death was a very miserable one so it depends on the state of consciousness that's why in the ishupanishad we have a sloka asurya naam te loka that if our state at the moment of death is one of despair like suicides and depression then the experience is the most terrible because we are projected into a world of darkness and that's why the custom is that when people are going to you know transit we play the geeta in the environment of course don't do it prematurely people take offense also <laughs> you know when somebody was sick and the geeta was being played the person said don't stop it please you think i am going to die <laughs> so the purpose is beaten it's meant to actually liberate us from fears but some people believe that now children have packed me up they they are trying to tell me dad your day is over please now listen to the geeta and leave us free that can be a very enjoyable experience for somebody who has turned to the divine because then one experiences that this is her garden and her workplace that is her lap and her home so actually you are transiting from the office into her home why should it be a painful experience and that's how it is described in savitri there is a whole canto the world soul and so beautifully where do we reach after death we reach that point where we have unconditional love 
it rocked the cradle of the cosmic child and stilled all weeping with its hands of joy one who could love without return for love this is where we reach all that we have craved for cried for looked for in life we discover it but of course it's not enough to discover it after death we must establish it in life that's it so the thing is that what we experience at the moment of death is different for different people it depends on the kind of life we have lived on the state of consciousness in which we are at the point of time of death and the state of consciousness in which we are at the time of death depends on the state of consciousness which we have generally nurtured and harbored through life so that's the answer yes aditi Don't listen to people who teach you fear of death. To start with, I know. I know it's a, a long process, but also you you don't know how long your life is. Need not be. To get free from fear of death is not a long process. To really see the beyond, even that's not necessarily a long process. But to consciously master death in the physical year, that's a long process. See, human beings grow precisely by challenging what has been denied to them. when you are a baby what do the parents tell you don't 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 go there don't go beyond the room and the baby feels my god beyond the room there is some god knows who but then the child goes and discovers that's nanny sitting out there and she is so kind then again parents say don't go beyond beyond the house there is a very frightening world out there then the child goes and discovered friends the nice guys they may be different in their ways approach but they are nice guys they are not somebody to be afraid of unfortunately these fears condition us wrongly and similarly you know don't don't go beyond the state or the uh, country because you know you are safe and then you go and you discover it's fine so human beings actually if anything worthwhile in life you want to achieve I hope your mama is not here. <laughs> you must break free from the norms and patterns. I'm saying something very rebellious, but get it in the right way. This is the wrong way to get it. Because you may break free the way of the Titan. We read that line, no restrain in us the Titan and the God. So we need to break free from the clutch of fear. The mother would repeatedly say the only impurity the worst impurity is fear to be afraid of anything is a great impurity and so we must read the stories how to get rid of that we must read the stories from childhood and tell the children stories from childhood of those who didn't fear who didn't fear death they were not necessarily great mystics but they followed the intuition that is inbuilt in man may not have heard the name of arun khetrapal heard it no i am sure you have heard sharukh khan <laughs> who was arun khetrapal 19 year old boy and during the indo pakistan war in 1971 i am telling you what he did this man saw a whole set of patent tanks in front in the field and 
there were very few on the indian side and he suddenly got out like kali coming over him and he took those grenades jumped from one tank to another throwing grenades inside and jumping on to another it was an unbelievable thing some 1920 tanks he destroyed like that eventually he died but he is immortal so read these stories they'll give you a different dimension read baji prabhu is amazing poem of sherbindo i don't know if we have we should you know read it you know in that poem baji prabhu is the story of a leonine general you know we have lost that leonine thing towards life you know we are too much concerned about the results we may lose what we may lose let's let's fight for something which is beautiful even if we lose it's worth losing so you know this um, this gen- general of shivaji baji prabhu he holds the fort of singagad with just about 20 persons shubindo speaks of in the poem more number and against him there is array thousands of afghans pathans and rajputs at the fort and eventually he dies and by the time he dies shivaji comes the fort is won because then by then the rest of the army comes and shivaji the great warrior you know what he remarked he said gad ela pan singh gela i have the fort with me but the lion has gone shurbindo takes up that episode it can make the dead man come to life i remember once this is a real experience that i had very severe gastroenteritis and i was on drips half dizzy and all that and my friend asked me can i do something i said read baji prabhu within half an hour i was sitting up and about you know like i could run the battlefield there he describes that tanaji malsore tells baji prabhu that baji you know i know you are fighting and this is a foredoomed fate you are going to die but i can assure you that i'll build such a pyre for you that the whole maratha kingdom will say ki ah such was the pyre on which baji burnt you know what is his reply in shubindas poem he says what tanaji me you will burn you think i am this 5 feet 6 inches body you cannot burn me in fact i will go there and wait for you to come and once again we will greet each other and then you know suddenly shubindo describes the whole scene that whole of kali descends on to baji and he is bleeding all over and fighting this is the story we must tell our children these are the stories we must read there are even in ramayana there is a beautiful episode where rama and lakshmana they are very decent very tender and all this and these are stories which are impressed upon my mind and find them so inspiring and sometimes i feel sorry that a whole generation is disconnected from them that um, parshuram who is fierce and terrible who has wiped out 21 times all the kshatriyas he comes and questions who has broken the dhanush of shiva because you know he was the guardian of that dhanush so he looks at these guys and lakshmana he is you know it's a very beautiful episode lakshmana says you know we didn't know it's so special we just lifted it my brother just lifted it and got broken what do we do it was an old thing so he gets very annoyed and angry 
and he wants to challenge him then rama is all the time trying to say you know be quiet don't get into a scuffle this is not good he tells parshuram he is a youngster you know my my brother is a very decent guy it's just that he is a bit you know <laughs> agitated easily excitable take no offense you are a seer but you know when ultimately parshuram says i am going to not leave you then rama speaks one word it impressed upon my mind till date he said look parshuram ji i am trying to tell you in the best possible quits but if you challenge us then i must tell you that even death if it challenges we will give it a fight and death will regret having challenged us now you know these are stories which inspire you heroism courage it's missing afraid of death we are afraid of everything there is a very beautiful saying i read from it's of swami ramtirth Swami Ramtirth says, "Afraid of what? Of death? It doesn't exist. Of elements that I am preta, dare them. If they come to you, tell them, get lost. Bhuta, you have no business to come near me. Of God, say I am one. So this fear of everything, fear of death, fear of God, fear of asuras, fear of." human beings fear of animals by heroism courage and if we can't do any of these things ask mother for courage for fearlessness for freedom from fear fear is much worse than death you know why death kills once fear kills it 10000 times so it's there is a beauty and joy in leading life fearlessly one day if death comes it comes what is there at least you know life should be worthy and not uh, uh, you know because of fear of death we were leading a very so called practical life so okay if it comes we should be ready to embrace who is on the other side as a child in the womb the mother she is waiting with her arms come come my child so we have only one of the two options one when we go back we have our head in shame mother i'm sorry i got you know got into this business of life and you know i was only living for myself it's a sorry state or the other we go back to the mother and we say we led a life which in our own eyes was a worthy life a selfless life now i have come back to you do with me as you please which of the two is a better option that's why they say whole life is a preparation for death but it's one way to look at it i would say this life is a preparation for a greater existence and depending on the way we lead this life the doors of a greater existence will open for us okay i'll quickly finish these questions then questions from savitri one the importance of human body which is inert by itself it is because of chaitanya atma with the help of mind flow of thoughts the body obeys the order and starts working in the world outside this is a general thinking yes this is general thinking as per gita it is because of the desire vasanas that we having chaitanya atman with the body mind and intelligence work in the world outside if there is no vasana there is no purpose to live i thought the gita says something absolutely opposite the gita on the contrary says that there is a possibility of desireless action which would not be possible if the gita really believes 
that the human body is driven only by vasanas it's the common interpretation which all the mayavadins and i have a bit humorous thing to that all those who teach us about maya don't let them enter into us and <laughs> don't part them part your wealth for them tell them why do you want it is maya you have come to teach us fine good they are saying it's maya yagnavalk didn't say that yagnavalk went to the court of janak and said i am the nor of brahman give me the thousand cows with gold tipped horns savitri also savitri asks not only satyavan but all that her father wished on life on earth so they are not contradictory it's like life driven by desire body driven by desire or inert matter coming to life through desire is only the first step it's like the plowing of the field a field is inert the soil is inert we can take this simile the soil is inert but in it there is the possibility all the elements which can nurture a seed which will grow into the divine which can grow into a tree so also in this inert body there is the possibility that the divine soul which is the atman can arrive at its fullest possible efflorescence but what does a farmer do with the soil first he plows the soil so desire plows the soil then what does he do he looks for the right season mind through its various moods and experiences waits ultimately leads us to the right season and when the right season comes the seed which is already there within begins to bloom all the time it is beginning to get ready but the divine master pours the water of divine love and it begins to bloom first it journeys through the darkness and then through ignorance uh, through through the light now shurabindo takes us one step further he says that well this is one part that gita doesn't gita says that the this inner body can actually support this movement and desire is the first plow but later on we can enter into a desireless action by the divine force above that's why it speaks about subha subha shubh parityagi sarva sankalp sanyasi all these terms to say that without the intervention of pure desire there is a possibility of action by going beyond the three three gunas which normally move us so gita in fact says that there is a possibility of action without any of these vasanas and desires but shurbindo goes one step further he takes up from what ishupanishad says atme va bhud vijanata even this body is nothing but a shadow an image an extension if you like of the self now this is a very bold and courageous teaching and shurbindo says that that not all of us are ready to accept it that this world is an extension of the divine so there is no this worldly or that worldly this worldly and that worldly is only a figment of a division created by the mind which can only experience a narrow spectrum of consciousness when the mother came to shurbindo one of her questions was that what is it that people in india often called a samadhi so shurbindo gave a very beautiful answer he says it's a state of unconsciousness she said because i have always experienced contact with the divine supreme divine without losing awareness of the outer world and this used to happen she would come out and say i know what you were speaking what you were doing even the ticking of the clock she would hear so basically it's because the mind at one time is able to experience only one state it's like in this room we are not able to experience what is above 
but when we go up then we look for the nice delicacies i am not revealing the names of the delicacies i am not sure if i know it all also then when we step out there is another zone of experience now what happens when we experience these life in bits and parts the other experience goes behind and that's why people often ask the question all this is very nice when we are sitting here and listen but when we go out we forget that's because of the death and ignorance that when we are eating we forget this when we are here we forget the food hopefully <laughs> going to take that long but the beauty is that it's possible to extend our consciousness in such a way that we can experience all these states together there is no vismriti the totality of creation together and that's what the mystics says and when we do that then there is nothing like this worldly and other worldly all is nothing else but the divine and then we say all he loves all he moves all are his all is he atme vabhut vijanata so this is the great teaching of the gita and the ishupanishad but because of the influence of mayavad we have forgotten it in meditation we stop the flow of thoughts this is one way we attain thereby liberation this is one method of doing it no life afterwards nirvana stage life is there but it continues to be in the human body what do you think about that way of thinking which is generally we understood by vedantic philosophy but this is exactly what i was saying this one method where again the mind cuts off this experience enters into another mode of experience by disengaging itself from this and this is one way but the problem is it cuts life into two irreconcilable halves either this or that either god or world and it creates a big schism in human thought and life that you know people are caught up on one side they everybody all of us uh, even in the utmost darkness aspires for something beyond at the same time everything all of us have something which is attached and attracted to the earth how are we to reconcile even as i said the mayavadin who goes around saying that all is maya has his eye on the other kind of maya hemant is not lost in his he is doing man yoga and man yoga <laughs> but it's possible to unite it's a one spectrum of consciousness and we can expand the consciousness this is what in the upanishads is regarded as immortality to enter into the limitless consciousness in the limitless consciousness there is no death because even when this form is gone i am conscious of existence and i am conscious of existence not only within me but in everybody else so there is no death but the destruction of form but of course shobindo goes one step still further about the transformation of the body गति अति मनसनी भूमिका प्यारे प्राप्त थरो एम आई रीडिंग गुजराती करेक्टली त्यान सुधी वेदांतनी सविचार प्रक्रिया ने आई कैन रीड इट बट आई कॉन्ट अंडरस्टैंड इट आई एम आई एम लाइक सो बेसिकली आई थिंक दिस ऑल्सो i have just touched upon that what is the supramental thought about it the supramental conception is that life is one existence is one consciousness is one but we can experience it as we do experience it in bits and parts and this we can understand by many examples 
a little child doesn't experience or is not aware of all the things that the parents are having in their heart for this particular baby and he experiences only a small spectrum in which he connects to the world to his classroom to the parents in a certain way but the same child that is grown his spectrum enlarges and sometimes it gives him a totally new perspective even of the past when a baby is small he often says bad mother gandhi ma kyon because he has de- denied him of thing but the same what does the mother says you become a mother then you will know and when the baby becomes a mother or a father then he says oh my mother was so nice thanks to her that i am what i am so this is the as our consciousness expands and ex- existence ex- expands we discover that we are not this narrow zone or narrow personality temporarily put out by nature which we call as ourselves and one of the methods is to disengage from that that's where the traditional vedanta also says that disengage from this existence don't be tied to this name and form this name and form is one name and form among many others and this is one one aspect one frontal but you are much greater there is the one and there is the oneness in creation and it's a very liberating method to disengage from this temporal formation and enter into a state of vastness and oneness and everything in fact that leads us to develop vastness is very good from a simple thing like in the house when there is a quarrel we should try to find a thought where both can harmonize it's the first experiment that nature does and if we can get past it then we have children and if we can get past it then we have larger larger boundaries and if we can get past then we have the world if we can get past the world when then we have whole creation and when we can get past this then we eventually discover the one existence that breathes in everything so this should be the approach in the supramental way i hope i understood also fairly okay the question if there is no mind then how the body will work well body works um, uh, i mean no mind this, this is not true because all all the layers are there in everything this is what uh, the famous uh, shanti mantra purnamidang purnamadang punat purnamudachate so basically in everything all is there same story in kena upanishad that in the blade of grass the whole infinite is there but um, the the part doesn't know Uh, its wholeness that's the main problem so mind is there even in matter that's why we see that atomic structures tend to form in a certain way but it's not organized in the human beings and an atom is not conscious of the mind yet when a scientist looks at atom it says in the quantum world there are choices and there are infinite possibilities there there is simultaneity but the electron in all likelihood is not conscious so wherever uh, everywhere there is matter including the highest states everywhere there is mind and everywhere there is the spirit and they are playing at different formations so essentially like i mean there is no such condition where there is no mind and uh, even if we withdraw from the mind still something of the mind called as the body mind will continue to work in the human body and its evidence is that you know our body works through a clockwork habitual pattern so it this clockwork pattern is precisely because of a mind of the cells they have a mind of their own see very simple example if a hand is cut by anything injury then before we can think the whole body conspires to seal that spot and all the cells are directed as if by a conscious intent that's because even the cells have a mind of their own 
and we can go still further this is one of the things which mother used to work upon that this mind of the cells can it be transformed now this is a big challenge and you know uh, the glimpses are there for instance in one of the places very beautifully the mother quotes uh, about sri ramakrishna's experience now because of the mind of the cells everything in us works in a habitual way so she says the story that once Sri Ramakrishna was bit by a snake. I am sure something like this mother has experienced. Of course, she has experienced death three times, but um, she is putting it modestly, but passing on to Sri Ramakrishna. And she says, because I have not read this story anywhere except from the mother. She says, when Ramakrishna was bit by a cobra, he came out of his trance and said, "What, Kali? Again, you are at mischief?" And just rubbed it, and nothing happened to him. Now, this is how the whole mind of the cells is reprogrammed. normally if a cobra bites all the cells go into a state of reaction and eventually the body dies this is the normal even if we think it should not by power of thought still it because this is a mind of the cells but it's possible to get the cells out of this habit and reprogram them in a new way so this is the new door of realization which in the future will take place already there are people talking about it world over even some of them without knowing about the supernatural consciousness and the new life so if there is no mind then how the body will work this one who will guide the body always in any case as if we take the image of the upanishads and the gita itself it is the dehi so there is a whole continuum the senses and the mind which is the reins and then the buddhi which is the rathi and this is the dehi thus the the sarathi and the rathi so rathi is the one who eventually is the master but normally this power is delegated to the sarathi or the buddhi so when the buddhi also withdraws into the higher consciousness the gita talks about this in the in the yoga it says those who offer the senses into the mind and the mind into the buddhi and ultimately beyond the buddhi para that's the word it used para buddhi so beyond the buddhi also there is a consciousness into which the buddhi can be absorbed and yet that consciousness can continue to use the body as an instrument and that the mother had a concrete experience of this she says that for so many days she came out of the body completely like a dead person and the body would continue to move speak act everything she did it as an experiment in algeria that possible for the higher consciousness to take complete charge and should be the use that in savitri that it will take the charge of breath and speech and act so then the higher con but right now because we have lent it to the lower consciousness therefore it is driving and it's high time we change the chariot here what will be the motivation behind living the life manifestation this is the motive of life the motive of life is manifesting higher and higher forms and capacities of the one infinite and that is the true motive actually even indirectly through everything we are trying that motive and in the lower creation in which we are a part uh, we try to express this motive through the progeny this what you know biological anthropologists and biological scientists say that ultimately what we could not accomplish we pass on to the children is very unfortunate that they carry the burden of our you know past but it's also true that we pass on now essentially why in some way or the other there is an urge to bring out that which is unexpressed 
so either we do it in our own life or we do it in the life of our children and so on and so forth but it's possible that within our own frame of life we can expand it and eventually use life to fulfill god within us so shubindra in one life in one line summarizes it to fulfill god in man is man's manhood so this is the purpose of life and that that's what will happen in ee shopnishad there is a sloka vidyancha vidyancha yast dvedo bhayam saha this i am not reading gujarati simply because i remember the sloka avidyam mrityu tirthva vidyam ritam asnute a very beautiful sloka he who combines in himself both vidya and avidya this is what we are talking about together would overcome death by avidya and obtain immortality by vidya very beautiful so what really is death it touches on the secret of death ee upnishad is a amazing upnishad powerful terse captures the essence in half a shloka one fourth shloka because you know it seems that yagnavalk was in a great hurry so in 18 shlokas he has poured the basis of divine life somebody has said that if all these scriptures in indian thoughts are destroyed and only ee upnishad is left the civilization will rebuild itself i would say even the first shloka is left it would rebuild itself what powerful isha vasyam idam sarvam yat kinchu jagatam this is enough to liberate us so this is a very cryptic verse it's a series of verses says that by death they arrive at immortality so what really is death death one lifetime we have one frame of experience and reference after death we go on to another frame of reference and experience after death we go on to another frame of reference and experience this is how our consciousness expands it's like a child who is a baby knows only the crib and the cradle or before that the womb then he dies to the house but goes on to the life of the world and but what happens his experience of the life at home is never forgotten if he had a good experience of trust as the psychologists say um then he is happy to meet the challenge of life but if at house the child is brought up in a way don't do this don't do that there are too many don'ts then he is very scared then he is always afraid he is always insecure so he carries the experience of the life at home into the life of world and so on and so forth so similarly every time we die shubindu says one reason for death is because we want to experience infinity on the basis of finite so we experience all these modes now when the past is vanished yet its essence is carried on with us so like if somebody was to ask like i have gone through normal physics chemistry biology and you know i'm sure but somebody was to ask me okay tell me exactly the formula of this or the krebs cycle which is more more closer to my subject in first year mbbs we are taught the krebs cycle i can't remember but that time i remember i had you know scored very good marks damn good i can't remember a word of it because its essence remains the details are gone and this is how the consciousness expands and existence expands so when we pass through successive deaths basically the form disintegrates but the consciousness moves on to another kind of experience then eventually we arrive at the limitless immortality by passing through death but supposing somebody doesn't die like aswathama now it's a curse because i am stuck to one kind of experience in life 
it's a very sad thing to happen that you know i can't really experience uh, varieties of life now to an extent we can but still you know we are stuck to a kind of thought a conception in which we are born a religion to which we are born we are stuck to that but we want to experience everything therefore death becomes a necessity normally however if we can experience the limitless infinity in one lifetime and as the mother says we can become one with the universal becoming that means as the universe is changing we are able to progress with that change see one of the things that death does is how does old age how to define old age one definition is when the narrow waist and the broad mind change their places old age <laughs> reminder to everybody whose waist is becoming whether the mind is becoming rigid and narrow or not we don't know but this is the thing that mind begins to become rigid naturally it's not it's by default programming in everybody you know even youngsters who say at one age wow you know my parents don't understand me they end up experiencing the same thing with their children their children end up saying dad you don't understand me and their children their children because there is a limitation of self experience but supposing the mind could follow the universal becoming the consciousness could follow the universal becoming experience in all the multitude of change nothing but the will of god manifesting itself then we will end up discovering immortality while within a human body but that's obviously a far off future so this is what the upanishad means to overcome death and the one mentioned in the shloka that's what it means so eventually we will discover the consciousness of immortality avidyam mrityu tirtva vidyam amritam asnuti yes please one last what is Yes, that they say. That uh, even scientists believe. That's why the whole uh, thrust in progress is to control death. But the question is, what is the ideal way? Normally, this much we all believe we can push the moment of death. This is a common belief both in science as well as uh, you know, uh, not one kind of religion where it's very fatalistic, but in a more progressive idea of religion. in indian thought for instance that we can master death to an extent that we can push it this much is believed and science approaches in one way and spirituality approaches approaches in another way but conquering death yes mystics believe we can conquer death again science believe it can conquer death but they are approaching in different way scientist tries to master all the conditions of death and thereby master death but it won't work out because death will create new conditions find new doors but spirituality and mystics believe that we can conquer death by entering into the consciousness of infinity or at least the limitless vast if we enter into that consciousness then we discover that we are one existence <coughs> one consciousness with many bodies and then death loses its meaning and purpose yeah not not many common examples one of them is shankaracharya's example yeah. they are not very common but some examples are there the so masters, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. yeah 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 there there are examples where while yes while living you can die and the mother speaks about it in fact she describes it at great details in the agenda this she had experienced even earlier dying and yet continuing to live and at one place she says well 
you want to die, those who are in despair, then die to the ego. She says that because it's a formation of personality. But in agenda after 1962, she speaks of continuing to live in that state when she is dead. And she continues to talk. It's a long subject and obviously can't touch upon it. Though I have tried to touch upon it in one of the talks in Hall of Harmony. Uh, two, three talks. So basically, it is possible. Because once we learn to disengage from the body, then many things are possible. Shurabindu himself and that's how the master's guide. The, the mother did not make it look so dramatic that she entered into another body. But she has done and acted in so many persons, so many places. And people would say, Mother, did you do it? She would say, Yes, my child, many times I do it, you don't even recognize. It's just that now recognized it. So it's the same thing that entering into another consciousness and moving the person. So many examples of this. I mean, Udar wanted to say something to a lady who had stopped outside the ashram but would not go inside. He wanted to say to the lady that, you know, it is easier to make a camel pass through the eye of a needle than to make a rich man turn to God. You know, this Bible phrase came to his mind, but he didn't say. So he went to in the evening to mother saying, Mother, see how self-controlled I am. And he said, Mother, I felt like saying, but it would have been very uh, harsh and I did not say it. Mother said, but I was the one who wanted you to say this. I had put this into your mind. And if you would have said this, there was a chance that this lady may have turned towards the divine. But she remained stuck in the formation of her religion and could not escape. So uh, with Mother and Shobinda, we see so many times they would inspire even reviving a dead. The cat's example which Mother speaks about, uh, in their life is full of these examples. And yes, in Sankracharya's life, you know, uh, where he left the body because Mandan Mish's wife asked him a very interesting question. Some of us may not know, so it's a story worth recounting that, you know, he was... Uh, and it hits at the core of Mayavad. Uh, that's why Shankaracharya went through a change in his life, which, uh, anyways, because, you know, it's a touching upon it, maybe a touchy subject, but Shankaracharya uh, would beat anybody in debate. Um, almost like Amal Kiran, when Amal Kiran was asked that, have you silenced his mind? He said, no, but I have silenced many people's minds. <laughs> <laughs> so, he would debate... Now, you know, debate doesn't lead to truth. But anyways, he would silence people's mind by, you know, the debate. So, one day he, he defeated a great pandit in Varanasi by the name Mandan Mishra. So, then he says he's the victor. But his wife says, no, you are not the victor. They say that by knowing Brahman, all else is known. Yasmin vigyate vigyati sarvam. So, tell me, what do you know about the marital life? And the life of worldly pleasures. He says, yes, I don't know this. So, Sankracharya found a very strange way. He said, I will find out and come back to you. And he came, um, sat down in meditation, told his disciples not to disturb the body, came out of the body, looked for somebody who was about to die and it was a king. So, he entered the body of the king and experienced the life of worldly pleasure and marriage in one month and then left and came back and told now, it's very interesting that same Sankracharya who wrote about, you know, Shivoham, Shivoham, later on writes about Gatistvam, Gatistvam, Gatistvam Bhavani. He writes Sandarilari, Bhavanashtakam. He re recognized that in this creation, there is a beauty, not just a mystery, not just Maya. 
and uh, it's my feeling that this experience did serve as a turning point in his life so there uh, this is one way to experience it but there is another way and that that the way that mother and shubindu tell us that while remaining we can simultaneously experience this worldliness and other worldliness and we should try to integrate them and that is the beauty of the new creation that these children will integrate the two naturally in their consciousness and not in an artificial way is it a yogic process or is it occult process occult process yeah okay. because there may be a yogi without really getting into the occult dimension it's not necessary that yogis have to learn to take out their you know consciousness from the body uh, generally it is not advisable and the mother was not encouraging this because it led to serious ruptures people may not know it has to be done under a proper master though mother did teach this to some people in fact there is a very interesting story about pranabda and she um, was uh, keen that pranabda learns about this process all about occultism and he was with the mother almost all the time in night one o'clock the mother would tell him now do you want to learn occultism and he is so tired he said no mother i am very tired and very sleepy so mother few times tried to teach him but he would be so tired then one day he said mother is there a way that without really going through the process you can teach me all this she says okay now that you ask me i'll teach you without going through the process but that's an exception like to arjuna divine sight is given and dada knew about occult many people about death and all they would come to him because he had mastered that process simply as a gift of grace so it can even be learned that way but not all yogis uh, necessarily know how to get out the body it's not necessary also in certain branches like karma yoga or bhakti yoga it's not necessary <coughs> it seems like it's very common after a certain stage many yogis get out of the body so many people have i i really don't know there's many people claim many things but i don't know whether they get out of the body or they develop no, a kind of is, but see they have gone that some some yogis that's what i'm saying these they are countable like lahri maash you know for instance there are some yogis who do it so some approach the yoga through occult and they have the occult capacity and it's perfectly fine but what is a mistake is to believe that all who can come out of the body are yogis it's just an occult capacity in nature like some people have an intellectual capacity take an instance there are people who can talk very well that doesn't mean that they are necessarily greater than those who cannot speak many speakers develop this illusion which is an absurdity take for instance vivekananda when vivekananda gave a lecture for 21 days and days on zero and people said hail vivekananda he said what do you mean hail vivekananda my master cannot speak a word but he can create thousand vivekanandas shri ramakrishna could not you know much so this was a capacity in vivekananda which was used by shri ramakrishna to manifest a certain kind of and no doubt it's something very beautiful if someone can put a capacity at the service of the divine but occultism is also one kind of capacity and one approach and very often a dangerous approach what is the yoga and what is the difference yoga occult is still in the realm of ignorance a yogi comes out of the body and experiences what not the yogi let's say an occultist he experiences the world of matter in a different way he experiences the forces and energies of life he experiences the godheads of the mind ravana could do it that's how he had made the navagraha his slave and yet he may not know the spiritual truth because the spiritual truth means to get rid of the ego 
many times people who experience occult worlds and other things they get trapped into a greater ego because they start feeling ah so uh, i mean there's no taboo if somebody has naturally this capacity amal kiran used to go out of the body and mother had to tell him at one point stop doing this because it was uh, she kept saying our realization has to be within the body but some have this this inborn not necessarily because of yoga it's a capacity and they may capitalize on it i am talking of genuine ones not the fake ones anybody can claim anything but some people do capitalize on it very heavily because they can go out of the body and wander into other worlds medananda in ashram used to wander into other planets and once he got lost maybe with this story we can leave because it's a beautiful story okay we can we leave after this so you know we can continue question answers you know out there uh, so he he went and used to go out and he got lost he didn't even recognize the earth forget about you know body so he is wondering how to go back till he sees some beings and he is asking these beings earth and all this nobody understands and then he sees one tall being and he sees something like the symbol or something in him and he says he explains all this he says oh you want to go to shurabindo's earth yes go and the next moment he finds himself inside the body so uh, this is uh, one kind of thing but not necessarily it is a sign of a high spiritual consciousness if it is there like any other capacity it should be put at the service of the divine but if it's not there we should not try to acquire that because it may lead us into another kind of door because it's not natural to us